I really love the aggressive response with the streamer and I know that doesn't make sense to a lot of people but I do, I love, I love my dry fly fishing too, there's something really nice about just going walking and looking for a horizon fish and presenting the fly and the thrill you get when you get it right, it's just fantastic. Hello and welcome to the Ireland on the Fly podcast about the people and places of fly fishing in Ireland. It's hard to believe, but we're into the last few weeks of the brown trout season, and in many ways it feels like the season has slipped away from us this last while. But to make the most of your remaining time on the rivers and locks, we've got some tips and advice for you for September. Friend of the show, Keith McDonald from Impact Fly Fishing, joins us with some expert late season advice. But first, Tom, do you look forward to September and the end of the season, or is it bittersweet for you? God, no, Dara. I don't think any of us look forward to September. <laughs> because we know it's around the corner and um, that um, I won't say bleak winter because um, that's that's the wrong way to say it but you know it's we know it's ending we know it's ending but you know you said something there about creeping up on you or, or you know it's suddenly you know I mean it's just like last week it was the start of the season and now I'm looking wow I'm like, you know, a couple of weeks left here on the car yeah it's around the corner and it'll be finished but no I do enjoy September I really do do you not feel the kind of summer kind of, I don't know, it's like it never happened because of the crap weather. Like, I know we had the heat wave in kind of May, kind of into June. And then, I don't know, it just, I, f- I feel like the weather we've had in September now kind of feels like the summer that is only beginning. Like, Yeah, but you know, we were saying here in this household, there was a lot, of, I think I told you John Watson, we played with John, he's from Malahide. He's been coming here since the early 50s. And, um, Years ago, at about 25 degrees uh, Celsius in the morning, on May morning, he called out uh, to my folks' house and uh, he wanted to see my, my dad. Uh, my dad wasn't there, but it was my mum who met him. And my mum said, God, some day today, John, 25 degrees in sun. And he looked at my mother and he went, desperate weather, Mrs. Sullivan, <laughs> desperate weather. So we have a saying here, like 25 you know, heat waves, they're desperate weather. So you're talking about July. I had fantastic fishing in July. Mm. Some great fishing in July. So therefore, I look at, yeah, the summer kind of happened. Typical fly anglers, isn't it? Like, yeah, it's kind of a bit of rain, you know, a bit of overcast, lovely, happy days, you know, whereas if there's the sun, too much sun, you know, you're running for the hills. Like, Yeah, yeah. But like, you know, if we do get the, like, what was it, two summers ago, a couple of summers ago, we had lovely weather, and that was nice too. Mm. But, you know, the only thing is, if you get good good fishing conditions, well, then make use of it. Yeah. You know, and it- make use and, it, and in fairness, it's a good late season with the September, the weather. That's yeah, that's yeah, the weather. Now we got a washout last week. Uh, last I had to tell quite a few lads not to come last week. Just um, one or two did uh, earlier on the week before the hot weather really set in. Mm. Had a couple of uh, one lovely day, well, one decent day on dries, uh, but then you just hit 25, 26 degrees, bright sun. Yeah, look, you know, go to the beach. <laughs> You know, <laughs> go to the beach. But now it's switched back. It's broken now. And um, yeah, but like two weeks to go from here. And like if you're, you know, right, if you're lucky to live in the Midlands, you're, you know, you're up to the 12th of October. I generally do a bit and go up to the Midland Lakes, be it Sheelan, Enel, Lean or whatever. So that extends it a bit. But nah, it's, it's, it's around the corner. Mm. It's 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 the elephant in the room, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's funny though. I'm I've always been. Um, I've always loved winter. Just that's even as a kid, that was just my season. And even now, I know it's the end of the season. But I, there's a couple of things I love is like I just love that old 
you know, the night's getting longer, the fire on, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and paradoxically, kind of like I'll do a bit of pike fishing over the winter. Mm. It's just to keep kind of keep getting out. And then I find kind of I love when kind of November comes, then you start planning for 2024. So it's almost the expectation. I think by this time of the year, the season's gone. There's nothing you can do about it. It's nearly over. You know, you can just make yeah. the most of it. Yeah. Whereas I love the winter. You can start. It, it's the possibility of good days ahead. That's a good way to do it because like basically you're accepting it. <laughs> you know? It's over. It's gone. Get on with it. And then, yeah, start planning for next year. Yeah, I like that part as well. And to be honest, yeah, I'm kind of with you on the winter. Like nothing like cold, crisp day and coming into the fire, maybe, you know, Um but interesting, actually, for September, I suppose, and originally, because we spoke to Kate uh, McDonald last year about his trip to Iceland, and we wanted to talk to him about um, streamer fishing in September, mm-hmm. because I suppose traditionally you would get the kind of maybe more rain, you know, kind of heavier weather, whereas actually, I think the, the interview with him kind of, we alternated between streamers and rice, <laughs> so it kind of gave you that insight into yeah, both was, sides of September. Yeah, it was very, very interesting, like, I mean, I, that's why I love doing these um, doing these shows there because like right my forte is fishing on the locks but like to hear Pete talking about like when he would use the streamer when he would use the drives I wasn't fully aware of that and it makes so much sense you know and he ex- explains like how um, you know with the weather we had last week you know that kind of scuppered his streamer fishing and I wouldn't have been aware of that I you know was a, you know I would have trundled on down to the river myself, <laughs> all set up, my streamer set up. And, um, Fell hooking yeah, the, so, the trout in the, in the inch <laughs> yeah. high water. Like. Kills a kill. <laughs> it's all wrong. I think I, we are not condoning a, <laughs> such behavior. No, no, I, I, that is a euphemism. I mean, I could say a catch is a catch, right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds so bad. But um, yeah. No, and it makes so much sense. You know, I wouldn't have been aware of that. I would have thought, yeah, streamer fishing can do it anytime. But it, you know, and um, yeah, it was a good, good, a good eye opener. And I was, I was very keen to talk to him as well and talk about it because I do a lot of. In the last couple of years, I've started doing a hell of a lot more streamer lure fishing on the lake here, and definitely is really coming into play more really coming into play more. So it was interesting to talk to him when he uses it and, and, and compare the takes and whatever. Um, so it was good. It was, a, it, was a, it was good. It was a good chat. It was really interesting for me. Yeah, it's definitely getting um, growing in popularity, the streamer fishing, and definitely it's something that's able will uh, we'll definitely, you'll see more people on the locks and the rivers um, as, as it's be kind of, mm. I suppose, being finessed, you know, and it's not just lunking it out there and seeing what happens. And people like Keith are really kind of at the vanguard of showing the potential of what you can do. But look, tell you what, let's get back to this week's guest, Keith McDonald. Uh, and also, don't forget to listen out for our Fulling Mill competition, which is later in the show. And I first asked Keith about how he approaches his brown trout fly fishing in September. Look, September is ordinarily a great time to get some streamer fishing. Um, you know, there's a lot of movement to fish, um, you know, fish migrating. Um, and there's, there's lots of great fun to be had ordinarily just at the moment. You'd probably get some dry fly fishing on rivers, some good dry fly fishing. So the hatching, hatches tend to move a bit earlier, um, August, September. Um, but in terms of streamer, yeah, just hoping that the conditions will change. You know, I've said, we talked about it before, I like, you know, those dirty, 
conditions uh, fall on their flat parameter and you know windy days i mean tom the kind of conditions you'd like for salmon on the lake they'd be great conditions for for streamer fishing you know i was just wondering because we just said that before we came on and and i wanted to ask you why do you reckon that is um, I think it's uh, a lot of it is low light conditions. You know those bigger fish uh, uh, are predators, and they will, uh, like all predators, go for go on the feed in in low light when they have the the best opportunity. And um, you know the fresh water excites fish because you know they're beyond the move and that sort of thing. And uh, yeah, look, whereas wind would be the enemy when you're kind of the enemy when you're uh, when you're river dry fly fishing um it it helps a lot in terms of being able to present the fly and unnoticed and you know that sort of stuff helps it helps a lot and yeah the fish just become excited in those conditions oh well it's really interesting because like what, you, what we're saying is so you know if conditions aren't right for dries then yeah, you you'd hedge with the streamers and vice versa. You yeah, know? absolutely. Yeah, uh, it, it's great to have those two things. Um, and very often seen throughout the summer, it it has been one or the other. What about nymphing or lobbing? <laughs> Some people. Uh, I'm, I don't do an awful lot of uh, nymphing at all. I, I, I to me, do you know, like, you know, as, actually, Kate, no. As Robert Gillespie <laughs> said on your show one time, and he's absolutely right. The casting is the fishing, and I love casting. You know, it, it it's a beautiful thing. You know, you tap one away, and there's a lovely loop sails out, and you present the fly nicely, and you get a kick out of that. You know, regardless of whether you're catching fish. So, to me, that is the fun you know just to cover water nicely with good casting um but each to their own do you know me thinks me thinks you've opened up another can of worms <laughs> excuse the pun yeah. with worms anyway i know yeah i know Look, i'll bite me lip um, I, each, each to their own you know whatever people get out and and enjoy. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know how we're getting this. We've gone in this nymphing rabbit hole, but anyway, we'll keep we'll keep <laughs> doing what we are. We're drawn to the lob. <laughs> but uh, but George McGarry, first of all, he said, you know, a lot of people they they'll start nymphing and it works for them, so they don't change it. They don't. They, that's it. They it works for them. They won't change. You know. Whereas he's saying, look, you know, you, you know, the conditions or you might have a great opportunity to go dry fly fishing and just mm. they won't do it. You know. So I suppose that's George's point on it, really, and not just George, other people as well. Yeah. yeah. Look, the the other thing that I love about fishing is getting the reaction from the fish. So, like dry fly fishing, it's very visual. You see the fish move to the fly, and it's up to you to do the right thing at the right time. And similarly with the streamer, or the way that I fish the streamer, you know, there's an awful lot of it is visual, where you see the fly and you see the fish react to it. Um, with the nymph, you don't, and like you're really pushing the fly in the fish's face constantly, do you know, with that method of fishing. But as I said, you know, people enjoy it and it's, it's, it's good. But all of those things, the casting and, and seeing the reaction from the fish is the fun. Because you like the streamer fishing then, at what point, let's say, if you go down, will you always start with the streamers? No, 
yeah. as we were talking about conditions, um, I just know by the conditions, the approach to take, you just know based on, on all of those things. And if I was to offer people some, some tips on, uh, on going at it, it is really to, you know, study the weather so, and the conditions. And the first thing would be to look at the river you want to fish and uh, pay close attention like most of the rivers are on water levels .ie at this stage. There's actually an app called the River App, which is for kayakers, and you can favorite all the rivers you want and set alarms for the heights that are suitable. And so pay pay close attention to that, um, because different rivers will fish at different heights. Say, for example, one of my favorites would be 1.2 and 1.3 on the gauge. If it's in around there, um, then I'm going to be paying attention. But you've got to pay attention to the other conditions as well. So if I've got a really high barometer, it's muggy, still bright, um, then we have to wait. Now, not necessarily this summer, but we have to wait a long time for water, you know, last year was, was shocking and just watching mm. constantly the long range weather forecast, praying for rain. And then it comes and you get the, and it's roasting hot and you're kind of goosed. You know, it doesn't, uh, a number of factors have to come together. But anyway, in terms of, um, in terms of monitoring the, these things, so you, you go out and you fish and, you know, keep note of, water temperature, air temperature. You can go into the barometer. I, I like like the barometer. I think it's uh, there's definitely patterns in it. Um, and, you know, wind direction, uh, wind speed, all those kind of things, just record them and you you will see see patterns in it when you yeah. have good days. Very, very interesting there that you said about uh, you like it flat or falling. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah. Um, I do follow it quite a bit. Um, but there's a guy here lives in the in the village beside me. And for the lake, he he nearly wouldn't go out if it's flat or, or if it's falling. Okay. If it's, if, if it's baseline. And he maintains, no, no, he won't go out. No, he's the luxury that he lives beside the lake. Uh -huh. um, yeah, can't stand it on the lake. I reckon it's really bad. Now, my only thing on it is that I've had days here where conditions look perfect for the lake. Mm -hmm. Everything looks right, but uh, it's falling. And I do find on the lake here, when it, if it's falling and if there's imminent rain, um, I won't say you can get goosed, but because conditions look so good, you feel disappointed. Yeah, so I'm talking specifically about, about stream fishing. So for, mm. for surface action, you know, if you want dry fly, um, then rising or high parameter is the one. So you have the, mm. the option of both things. Uh, I've never done a huge amount of uh, wet fly fishing on lakes, so I don't know how that compares, but presumably uh, a lot of the time with a floating line when you're near the surface, you're, um, you're fishing for fish that are that are near the surface taking nymphs or uh, emerging insects and, and that sort of thing. I know there's quite a lot of it is a, just an attraction or a, 
mm. just for the response as well. But uh, yeah, for the streamer, uh, I think you just if you can line up all of these factors, then you get the the aggressive or hopefully get the aggressive response from the fish. Too. None of it in fishing is is exact. There's yeah, always yeah, exceptions, yeah. and they'll always prove you wrong at times. You know, and that's good. Otherwise, we wouldn't bother. What struck me though as well, Keith, what you're saying about, you know, taking down the data, you seem very methodical about it. I recorded it for a long time. Um, and, uh, well, if I'm going to a new river, I'll keep notes over time. Now, you know, I just, I, I know because I'm so fanatical about it. Uh, I just know the heights that I, I need or the figures that I need. Um, but look, sometimes you just have to go fishing, you know, <laughs> When you have the opportunity, it's not when everything. Like, when all the data is telling you no, you know, yeah. when everything is telling you no, you still go. And yeah. as you say, sometimes, sometimes, Kate, you get it wrong in the right yeah. way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, abs- yeah. absolutely. Yeah, you know. but there's there's no hard and fast rules. I'm talking about guidelines that yeah that help. Mm. Yeah, and uh, like water in the river is the, the number one thing the streamer i mean you can fish in in lower water but you will go to the, the faster water and you know hopefully have a you know cloud and, and low light tell me this keith in your estimation the takes you're getting in september are they aggression stroke territorial attacks or are they feeding fish what do you reckon they are um, you get both, but you, you get a lot of territorial responses from fish, and they're they're easy to see. Uh, after a while, you can tell the difference. Um, you know the the aggressive responses are more of a, a flash and a, a turn at the fly. They never had any intention of taking it, and you know. Uh, yeah. You know, but like sometimes you get those fish, but um, you know, there's a lot of uh, a lot of mistakes with those sort of of things where they just they want it out of the way. And there's yeah. other times where fish just pounce on it and belt it. And I think you know that can be both a feeding response and it can both you know yeah, you know. Now, I know I know it's a different thing here in the lake, but I, I'm doing quite a bit of it here over the last couple of seasons. And what I what I find is because now there's a lot of coarse fry in the lake here. And what I find more in July, when I'm I'm fishing uh, streamers or lures, um I get softer takes, right? A lot more softer takes. Almost as if the fish is just going by and feeding, right? Yeah. And then come closer to the end of the month or the end of the season like from this month on i start getting a lot more aggressive takes okay yeah. which, which i put down to the fact that it's more more aggression rather than yeah. an actual feeding instinct yeah but it's, you know but i often wonder that about a river because i think the bigger fish and i'm probably right in saying this but i'm saying it to you asking you the bigger fish in the river tend to be territorial yeah, I mean, the, there is uh, size is definitely a factor in who gets the the best locations uh, in a pool. 
And the science would definitely tell you at this time of the year that there's a hormonal change in the fish, you know, mm. and because they're they're getting to that time of year where they're moving up, uh, or or a proportion of the population are. Um, so it makes sense that they would be more aggressive. Um, and you see it. I mean, if you watch uh, salmon or trout that are actually getting ready to to spawn or are up on reds, the the aggressive behaviour with them fending off. You you love the dries. Like you would still take the streamers first, would you? Before the dries, let's get that clear. Yeah, <laughs> I I would. I I really love the aggressive response with the the streamer and i know that doesn't make sense to a lot of people but i do i love i love my dry fly fishing too there's something really nice about just going walking and looking for a horizon fish and presenting the fly and the thrill you get when you get it right it's just fantastic and so they're they're different things but i also really love fly tying and tinkering with flies and and that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I've had a great dry fly season. Um, I uh, I realised in August that I had had um, at least a, a four pounds trout from April uh, onwards through July. Uh, so April, May, June, July, um, I'd won. Nice somewhere in the six to seven pound range. My, my way net went bonky, but it was really <laughs> amazing trout. Uh, wow. That's and, a, I mean, as a river trout, that's absolutely yeah, amazing. That, that's that was from, so three, three different rivers. I was telling you last year that I was looking at a new river and myself and Kieran O'Kelly, my fishing buddy, um, we put a bit of time into to a couple of rivers and it's... So it's the one you were talking about, poor fruit. It really bore fruit. The yeah. one you're about to tell us the name of and the yeah. beat. Yeah, yeah. We're putting up the coordinates on the on the. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so, uh, so then we went off on our trip in August, and I had only realised this, and I was going bugger. I'll have to come back and try and get one for August, and uh, of course, I I put a few days in, but um, I haven't had the the right conditions are the look. So, so I blew August. Um, did you come close? Did you, did you, no, I didn't. No, no, I didn't. I didn't find the guy. But that's that's it, isn't it? It just it keeps keeps it going. It's nice to have these little goals. And um, I only got out a couple of days, but I think it's actually possible to get one in March as well on the dry fly, which I've never done. That'd be amazing. You're just being greedy now, Keith. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <right>. <laughs> I had one four. I had one four pound in the season. I'd be happy. Like, never mind one a month. Like, <laughs> you just have to go looking for them. You know, you yep. have to just tune into them. That's all. How many of them did it take more than one day catch or one visit? Well, if you get well say that. Say that big, big fish that took a huge number of trips before we got. Even more. You know, that's going to be reassuring to so many people listening. <laughs> yeah. Huge number of trips and a number of seasons before that one wow. uh, came right. Now, in fairness to Kieran, he lives a bit closer to it. So he got 
he did more legwork than I did, but we did do an awful lot of uh, discussions and trips and, you know, trying to figure it out. Um, and uh, the, there's a lot of fun on that. And then the day that uh, we got fish on it, we got one each. That's brilliant. You know, just brilliant. So I want, because the next question I want to ask you, Keith, was in terms of your dry flies, um, the F fly. Tell me about this, because you're saying, hands down, the best dry fly ever invented, I think, was the actual language she used. Yeah, it's just a, a really generic pattern. and The main patch I'd be fishing would be olives, and it's perfect for it. And it just the CDC floats. I think, the not to get too geeky on it, but if you use a, a spiky um, a spiky tub on the body, the original... Marjan Fratnik is Finian angler. He just used thread. Uh, the guy invented it. But the, uh, the spiky dub, I just think it gives you the right uh, imprint on the surface. I think those little dimples that are created in the surface film are definitely a, a trigger for fish. And uh, it's just, just a great pattern. Um, and I, I tie it on a, a wide gape. Uh, it's actually a fulling mill hook, um, but anyway, it's it, it's it's an oversized hook in terms of the gape. But you can yeah. the the hookup ratio with it is is amazing. You know, compared to if you were to go down to a, a traditional kind of a size sixteen with a, a small little hook gape on it. So that's why I like it so much. And come here, Keith. I I presume you would have that tied in. A range of sizes, though. No, I or just, do you just stick? Do you just stick to one size? I I tend to fish a bit bigger in in dry flies. I think there's an awful right. lot put on on size, where I think most of it is is presentation. Uh, you know, having your leader right and and presenting the fly correctly. On a single dry fly, Keith, what length leader are you fishing? About fifteen foot, generally. Yeah. And what are you going down to? Like, how light are you going? Most of the time, it would be four pounds fluorocarbon. So whatever that is, is a 0.18, I can't recall. But it's it'd be fairly fine. Um, mm. And that that really helps. About 4x or 5x. Getting takes, yeah, yeah 5x. Um, mm. And, you know, there are times when trout get locked on to stuff and pernickety, but in general, it's nice to be able to fish a, a fly that you can see. And, you know, they're ground trout, they're, they're opportunists. Um, I put up a cool picture earlier in the season of a fish we got, I think it might have been four and a half, something like that, four and three quarters in, in April. And he had a few different types of fish in him, a dragonfly, um, a big beetle. Um, he coughed all this stuff up in the net. We didn't kill him. Uh, so he uh, uh, was a damselfly. Um, there was a load of stuff in him, and it was all, you know, decent size. Uh, yeah. It was funny when uh, when I when we went to Iceland there recently. I had a box full of lovely big bushy flies and sedges and all that kind of stuff. And uh, 
like the biggest flies I had on my box were just about right for the guide. You know, he wanted even bigger ones. So. Wow. Yeah. And like, the you know, a lot of the insects there, small mages and get the odd sedge or the odd, they call them horse flies. They look a bit like daddy long legs, but uh, not not particularly big. And, uh, you know, just as I say, a lot of the time they're opportunistic. Um, they can get locked into stuff. And uh, sometimes you won't get them because they look like they're rising and they're, they're taking emerging midges or something below the surface, you know, and it, it looks like they're, and they're going. They're, really high in the, the water column and, and go on hatchets and uh, they can they can be tough ones but in general yeah the uh, the air fly uh, you know a kind of a, a clean camera between size 10 to size 14 and a couple of different types of those that I use and a few sedges and a few bits and pieces um, I like parachute flies a lot um, again, a, a decent size one. So, yeah, dry fly fishing is is a lot of fun. But uh, yeah, I really want to get a a big trout on the streamer in September. Um, but need a change in conditions big time. I had a couple of uh, you know three three and a half pound fish on the on the streamer this year, but I haven't had any uh, particularly big ones. Just with um, well, not in Ireland anyway. What was nuts was I was so starved of fishing. I stopped fishing for a while because the river temperatures went so high in July. And then the rain came and I was just itching to go fishing. So off I went, got there, and the the river was a meter and a half over the height that I'd like for even (laughs) streamer fishing, right? And it um, it was humid, hot, bright day and um, I was just pottering about and the, the river was actually in the fields and in one bend that I like um, standing on the bank the river was up to my waist and I pottered around all day because I had nothing else to do and eventually found a flat spot um where there was respite from the current and the fish came up and I got them. And that was my only trout for the day. It was around four pounds, a bit over four pounds. But like, it was just because I had the time to walk around looking, I mm. guess. Um, yeah. But you know, everything was against me. For your dry fly makeup. Okay. So let's say you're going down to five X at the point, but do you use a section of tapered leader or do you taper it yourself? Uh, yeah, I have, uh, my own tapered leaders, they're, they're, you know, I got them made. Um, they're just one piece of of mono tapered. Uh, to, they tapered nine nine feet. Yeah, nine, nine feet is it? Leader, and then the rest is tippet. Then the, great. So yeah. the, the monofilament leader, and then it's just a, uh, it's a triple surgeons to the fluorocarbon. It's really, really strong. And you go level all the way through then from that service. Yeah, off. and you get beautiful yeah. turnover. With it. Yeah, really yeah. Turnover. It really does give you a good turnover. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the 12-foot leaders are, are nice too. I've had those in the past, but I've, I've got a flatter, the 9-foot the ones. So. 
Yeah. End up using a good bit of tippet, but that's okay. And also as well, you always fish one. Always fish one on the river, yeah. Um, you'd never. There's never a time you'd fish two. No, on because the I'm I'm never really prospecting, or right. very very rarely yeah. prospecting. Yeah. Like, if you want to try and get better trout on the dry fly, you have to go look for them and pick them out. Pick them out and direct the single fly onto them. Yeah. I wrote a, a blog about it in in the summer where my watch had 20,000 steps on it after the day, you know, congratulated me because <laughs> it is, you're just walking, 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 walking and, uh, yeah. and, and trying to find them. That's, that's, that's the way I approach it. And, and the best way to approach it is to, to go and find the right ones uh, rather than trying to prospect and fish the water. There's occasions where it's nice to go out, um, you know, to a small, river and while away a couple of hours just flicking a fly around but most of the time it's it's gone walking if you're a fly tire or want to get into fly tying then this is for you ireland on the flyer are partnering with fulling mill to give away a box of fly tying materials with free shipping to one lucky listener each week for the next 12 weeks Known for producing world-class fishing flies, including ranges from the likes of David McPhail, Jackie Mahan, Ronan Crane, and our very own Tom Dock, Fulling Mill has been perfecting the art of fly tying for decades, and they are now launching their new range of fly tying material, including marabou, bucktails, anchor strips, to dubbing, chenille, yarn, and wool. It's a complete offering, and each item is processed and packed by hand, ensuring it arrives in perfect condition. With fly tying season around the corner, what are you waiting for? Their products are available online and in-store from your local Fulling Mill dealer. So check it out at fullingmill.co.uk. To be in with the chance of winning the £50 worth of materials, just answer the following question. Name one of the Irish Fulling Mill signature tyres. Email your answer to info at lastcastmedia.com and we will pick a weekly winner for the next 12 weeks. And congrats to, drumroll, drumroll, Niall Bowden, who is this week's winner. We'll be in touch, Niall, about how to get your hands on the fly tying goodies. And thanks a million to everyone for entering. You can keep entering, by the way, uh, except for you, Niall. Um, if you haven't won, you can keep entering. Um, we'll have different questions every four weeks. So you do have a chance uh, for the next few weeks uh, to answer that. Just answer the question, name one of the Irish Falling Mill signature tires. So congrats, Niall. For more details on the competition, see the show notes and our posts on Instagram at Ireland fly i want to ask you about iceland yeah this was really good and we were so lucky i mean we're privileged to be able to go and visit the place in the first but um so they had the opposite of us they've had no rain for just whatever six or eight weeks by the time we were gone um we arrived and we've been watching weather forecasts and for the area and seeing nothing and looking at the usual pages on social media and there was no sign of sea trout being caught so sea trout was what we were after again but this time we were going to a different river um maris uh, you've seen him on instagram at jungle in the trout he's he catches a, he's a brilliant guy but he's he he's sea trek mad so yeah maris suggested this river you know that it'd suit us with streamers and exploring and fishing loads of different pools and um 
so anyway, we got got to Iceland, got the car, and got on the road, and all the rivers were really on their bones, and you know, just awful looking. And uh, so we were we were a bit scared, but still, you're on a trip. So as we got out out the uh, southeast coast and got towards the mountains, uh, you could see there was rain rain in the hills, and as we moved on, there was there was a shot of rain for the evening and it brought up the river a couple of inches, like not a huge amount. Now it's a very clear river and the fish arrived, the sea trout arrived and we had fantastic fishing on, on lots of different methods, um, on streamers, on nymphs, on sunray shadows and uh, we got some salmon, some char, uh, some brown trout as well. But I got three double-figure sea trout and a number of others. Um, it was just—it's just—it's mind-blowing the the fish that are there and to see a really healthy system and like it looks the landscape. It's quite like. Connemara and it's kind of a spadey kind of a, a river except that it's clear but it would remind you of Connemara so yeah it was fabulous like the, the four of us in the group all got a big sea trout double, double figure sea trout sorry everybody got what Maros called the grand slam which was getting the four species in the river which was you know sea trout salmon Brown trout and chair. Wow. So that all four of you got a double figure uh, sea trout and all four of you got the Grand Slam. Yeah. Wow. Like mm. just amazing. Uh, we were so lucky, so, so lucky that, that the fish arrived because like, there's a, another lodge over the hill that ca- caters for much wealthier people uh, than us. And uh, I understand that they were sitting in the lodge. There wasn't a fish caught over there. And so it just it seemed to happen in this catchment and, and we got lucky. So it was cool. Was that little bit of rain enough to get them moving? Yeah, it sure was. The rain definitely made the difference. Um, they have a, an iPad with a, an app set up on it for the, this is the, the modern uh, logbook. None of your, you know, not like the the old books, but you know, you can look back and uh, things had been quiet uh, for most of the the year. So, I, I think the average for the river is probably about six or seven pounds, but you can get, you know, like some of the guys I got last year up over twenty. There was no no sense to me that they had run yet. This river. It has some of the biggest sea trout in the world. The biggest one that was caught in it last year, I think it's an Icelandic record, is 107 centimetres, so it's well up over a 30-pound fish. And then some of the research into the, the – so there's a lot of big glacial uh, braided river below this uh, before it goes into the sea. Uh, apparently the, the sea trout live in there for a long period in the year. Um, and they've found some of the biggest sea trout in the world, some of the biggest recorded in there. 
so they they run at some point in the year so i think if he wanted to to go for those guys who want to be there at the very end of the season you know just into october um we were really happy just to have relatively steady fishing just to be able to go out cover a pool meet fish catch fish and i think somehow in the future you will be planning an october trip will you it's become becoming an annual thing now just it's just so good sounds phenomenal actually sounds absolutely phenomenal it's a combination of things it's having the the right guy i mean maris he's just one of the fishiest people i've ever come across he's really mad into it i mean like he uh he said to me he had just netted a, a fish for uh mick and uh like mick had been over last year and i don't know whether you remember but you know mick had a, a tough time um he didn't do as well as i had and maris was like he was kind of emotional he was saying it's been my dream for ages just to net a fish for mick do you know that's how much he loves uh you know he he loves uh getting people fish as much as he loves the fishing himself so he's just a, a brilliant guy absolutely brilliant so it's it it's having the the right guy as well has made made the difference in that you know it's kind of a, a fast track to to the right places i recommend anybody to uh, just go on to the blog streamerfishing.com and onto the blog because just the yeah, pictures yeah. the writing as well it's just the sheer joy and passion that just comes through the pictures and the writing i don't blame it when you're catching yeah. fish that big no <laughs> i think it, anybody it, it really would does. just with the quality it really does it? fair play to you Kate. yeah you're right dara it just really comes across uh yeah. in when you're reading it fair play to you really put it across it is Thanks. absolutely fantastic yeah. and by the way you got yeah you got a bit of lake fishing in as well just beforehand yeah, so I have to throw that in. <laughs> no, no, no. You, you'd be interested in this. I found it fascinating. The the flight from Dublin lands at two o'clock in in Kefalik Airport. So, and our fishing wasn't starting on the river till the following afternoon. So, so we had planned uh, a bit of lake fishing because it's not as expensive to fish as rivers. So, an hour outside. Uh, Reykjavik on on the on our way, uh, not too far from Lake Pinkfellavatn, the the one we talked about before. Yeah, um, and we we hopped in and fished streamers, but um, the trout weren't huge, but they were uh, willing and and plentiful, and it was just really interesting because. Oh, <laughs> even though you tell people not to do it, you're often guilty of it is that you get in and you whack the line as far as you possibly can and start stripping, you know, with enthusiasm and there was nothing happening. And uh, I was moving out to a point and I saw the wind had dropped and I was literally uh, ankle deep and there was a few fish in front of me in water that shallow eating midges that they spooked off. I thought that's interesting. So I, I changed to casting along the shore just in the ankle deep water um, with a weightless fly and sure enough, bang, uh, the fish were in such skinny water, couldn't believe, but that was because uh, the midges were um, 
you know, were being pushed in on the shore, so they were going right in to, to have them. But the, the lake fishing is really cool. And, you know, we were able to fish the big flies um, and get them get them to react. I think it was nothing over two or two and a half pounds, but a good, strong fish and lots of fun. So that kept us going till, till dark. And the beauty of of that sort of fishing in Iceland is that that they have a a national card where there's a huge number of lakes that you can uh, you can fish around the country on the one license. So I know people who've hired a camper and gone fishing those lakes and done very well and got some really respectable fish char and trout. Um, mm. But it different behavior um you know i know in in spring on our locks you'd often be you'd want the flies right up on the the shore in the the skinny water mm, yeah this yeah was, this was taking it to the extreme of the, you know, <laughs> the yeah so it's all those things are worth bearing in mind aren't they that um not to be too hasty and in jumping in and expecting the fish to be in a particular place. Well, I, I learned that from years ago. I used, when I got my first car, I used to fish all the locks in Connemara. Mm. It's the first thing I did. Um, a copy of Peter O'Reilly's book. And I used to tick them off. I get there. But I always, and I learned really quickly, um, little rocky points were always good. But before you went up to fish it, you stood back. And you threw your flies with the end of the fly line landing on the rock and the flies just landing off of the rock. And so many times you catch a good fish by there, like it might be 10 or 11 inches. Yeah, but you catch one there. And like what you said, you know, a lot of the times we just go to the water's edge and then try and cast as far out as we can. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's really interesting. And it just goes to show that's everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so there's a picture in that blog, and uh, you can see the fish with the uh, with all of the midges around them. You can see just how shallow they're prepared to go to to feed. It's it's cool uh, for them to take the streamer in that skinny water as well. Is, is brilliant. The, the takes must have been fun then, actually. Brilliant takes, in yeah, yeah. Place, yeah. What's your, you know, couple of weeks left in the season? When, are you one of those when September comes, the end of September, do you hang up the rod or do you, yeah, pretty, you need to get your teeth fingers? The time I'll get a, a goo on me and I'll go for pike or rainbow trail very occasionally, but most of the time it's good to hang up the rods. I, I, I always have or try to have something on the go, you know, whether it's tinkering with the photographs or whether it's flight time or something else. So mm. I always have something to keep me, keep me amused. Um, the odd day at the pike is fun. I like uh, river pike fishing and I, it must be because of the same sort of thing in that I like casting a structure and features and, and that sort of stuff. So the odd day at the pike. But can I ask you a final question? I'm going to put you on the spot actually with this one, but it should be easy enough, I think, for you to, to answer. Normally, we ask people, obviously, what's their most memorable fish on the fly, but you've been mm. on with us before. So I want to ask you, what was your most memorable fish on the fly this season? Definitely be that uh, 
that big fish in May on the spend because it was, I saw the fish, he was on quite a flat piece of water, relatively slow current. And I saw him cruise a beat that that will often happen with a big fish on slow water that they'll, they'll cruise up mm. to a particular spot and then return to the bottom of the pool and start again. And the, the weather wasn't on our side. It was, it was raining and, um, I knew or, or felt that this guy wasn't going to stay up. So ordinarily, you'd really creep into position, hands and knees and that sort of stuff. And I just ran, ran and cast and got the fly in front of him and up he came and I got him. So there was just a, a big shot of, of adrenaline for that one, you know, it was just really brilliant and a really strong fish and like one of the most beautiful I've ever seen. I mean, absolutely stunning looking creature, fat, perfect, just absolutely perfect looking trout. So that's definitely the most uh, memorable for the season. And, you know, that was on that river that we've been trying to get our heads around for a while (laughs) and uh, have it, have a better sus on it now. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, looking forward to next spring. Well, there's only a few weeks left in the season, so you never know. You might, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> you never know what might happen. Uh, look, uh, hopefully, I'll, I'll get out a little bit more. Listen, Keith, absolutely great talking to you again. Love, love having you on. It's you know, it's great to talk to you. Uh, the amount of knowledge that that you you know that you have and that you you know that you can impart it's absolutely fantastic no it's great really good thanks a million thanks Emil. our thanks to keith mcdonald for joining us on the show don't forget to rate review and follow the ireland on the fly podcast on apple spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from plus you can keep up to date on irelandonthefly.com as well as on instagram and myself and tom will be back with another episode about the people and places of fly fishing in ireland <laughs>